like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And you might notice we're a week late, and that will be the new trend on Movie Club. We are switching formats just a little bit. Um, Same general premise. These are movies that one of us have not seen before, or at least have not seen as an adult, right? Like where maybe we saw it as a kid, it's not fresh in our memory, so we're rewatching it to see how our lives change our interpretation of a film sometimes or first viewing uh, checking off those gap lists. Um, we are in the middle of a series when we're making this transition. Uh, we're calling them series now instead of themes. Um, we're in the middle of subs, not dubs. You might've heard our episodes on a, a separation, Onibaba, Akira. Um, and here we are today to talk about the 400 blows, the France, Francis, Oh boy. Francois Truffaut. Um, man, I'm messing up his name. No, that's hundred. That was uh, real good. <laughs> uh, Francois Truffaut. I, I I was getting there. I was messing up the first part. I was like, Francis, that's not it. Um, sorry, folks. It is. It has been a long week. Uh, things oh. have been a little crazy, but um, we are switching formats just a little bit. The first big change is that we are going to be biweekly instead of every week. Um, sometimes you know life gets in the way, and we need to make sure that our lives are in order first, and then the podcast. Um, no fear though, because Corey and I, this is our main source of communication with each other. And I think we like talking to each other. So it's it's a uh, it's a necessary change, but not a detrimental one. We're just making a slight alteration to that uh, weekly to biweekly. But the other changes, as I mentioned, we're going to call these series. In between series, we're going to do palate cleansers, uh, where we're going to take a series we've done, uh, or a theme we used to use every year, uh, Mint in Box, and then now streaming, which is something that's on the streaming service. So in between the, the series that are specific to something, um, we are going to do uh, some kind of palate cleanser where it's either I pick a movie that I own that we haven't seen or Corey picks a movie she owns that we haven't seen um, or something that's streaming. And that'll just kind of break up the series and then we'll start a new series. Series are going to range anywhere from three to six episodes. They could be more, but we're going to try to keep it in that that ballpark uh, with that same rule, though. The, the whole goal of this is to expand our film viewing. So it's always going to be something where one of us at least have not seen this before for me i've seen the 400 blows but only once Corey had never seen it this was her pick um so we're gonna get pretty much straight into that um but before we get into our review it's important that we check our temperatures see how things are going so Corey, how is everything up in idaho literally or no i'm <laughs> checking the temperature it's fine <laughs> i mean to be fair a lot of our conversations have been about weather on this show so <laughs> I'm like, should we blame that on me being an awkward conversation starter or what what should I, we say? It sometimes it greatly affects our life. You know? I, I, Matt and I do the same thing on, on BAMP. So like I don't know what it is, uh, the small talk of weather, but I rarely have that conversation with real people on a right? on a microphone. It's like, yes, weather. It's cold, let's, it's hot. Let's talk about this though. We all live in very different places. I live yeah. in the complete opposite corner of the country from you and i'm terrible with geography but i know matt is way out there you know so you know it's just interesting too he is on an island in the uk 
Um, yeah, uh, so I, I do agree. I've not been to either place that you guys are, so I am always kind of intrigued. Um, where you have both been to Florida. Matt hasn't been to Florida in a long time, but he has been here. I think he went to Disney as a kid or something, which not uncommon. Um, when you live in a, a state that is mostly built around tourism, although that seems to be yeah. crumbly. Um, <sighs> but yeah, uh, I, I had my final dental visit probably for the year because I've used all of my insurance. Cause that's how insurance works. Uh, I, I apparently have used right. up all of the stuff they'll pay for my dentist. Uh, but you know, I had a root canal that was over two different days, um, over two weeks, actually. I had the Boy. first part, had to wait for like this medicine thing to kick in because I had an infection because of the, the bad tooth. Um, and then the final part of the root canal with the temporary. And then yesterday I got to go and finally get my permanent tooth. And I got to say, I was surprised. Uh, the temporary I had for two weeks and it never felt right. Like I, it, I could close, like I could bite down normal, but like I felt that I had this weird thing in my mouth, right? The permanent instantly feels like it was my tooth the whole time. Like it is wild. The difference of them like having it like printed or manufactured. I don't actually know the process. I'm assuming it's printed nowadays, but it's manufactured or whatever to the mold uh, so much more precisely that it it literally just feels like my tooth. And it's this is my first crown, so it's mind boggling to me that that's the case. But like I, 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 the two weeks with the stupid temporary, I was just like all the time like, man, this is never gonna feel normal. Uh, I hate this, and then get the permanent and like within seconds I'm like i don't even feel it now it's just like there it's just part of me and um i'm grateful because it's nice being able to like bite normal and not have to be afraid of of like oh no a chip went up into the the temporary or whatever um but i i am as much as i still am terrified of the dentist um i i am very grateful to uh to have dentists and i, I cory when you're at the dentist, do the dentist and the, the other person, which I still don't know what to call them, not, uh, is it? They talk to you? They don't talk to me. They talk to oh, each other. Oh, I thought other. you going to ask me. Oh, no. They talk to each other. They rope me into the conversation. And it's like, I can't even talk to you right now because you guys are both holding my mouth open and you have something that can probably cut me. <laughs> well, yes. And it's also, though, like, they, they are talking like I'm not there. And sometimes oh. they're like commenting on process of like how they do things. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want her to learn how to do this right now. Like, can we not like, oh, can no. I not be the guinea pig? And it's never, nothing's happened. Yeah. And, but still, but I have no basis of comparison, I guess. It's like, I, do they do that with everybody? I guess it's always on the job training, right? Like you always want to be better at this job. And from what my experience, I think they're great. Um, but yeah. even like, uh, after they did the, the, permanent right like because they cemented in they took an x-ray and they saw there was a little piece of the cement like floating between my my teeth and they want to get it out because i guess it could irritate the gums and i'm like i have no idea cool so then like they're in my mouth for forever with like floss and like they're picking and it's just like i'm like well this tooth is clearly not coming out because you have done everything you could to like jab at it um and apparently because of all of the the work on that part my gum was like it bleeds like it's nobody's business so she she tries for a while, takes an x-ray, still there. Tries for a while, takes another x-ray, still, you know, still there. Tries again, takes another x-ray. So it's like four x-rays within like 30 minutes, which I also hate taking the x-rays. So you have to bite that weird thing and I hate it. Yes. Um, but then the the dentist comes back and he does it. And he, he thinks he gets it. He's not even 100%. And she's like, should I take another x-ray? He's 90% sure. Like he's got the thing on the floss. He's like, yeah, this is it. And 
Um, she's like, should I take another x-ray? And his words are, no, I think you've given him enough radiation. And my brain is like, well, I'm yeah. going to die. I'm going to die now. She shot me in the face four times oh, really no. fast. Like, do I have a growth? Is there a second head? Like, <laughs> there's enough room to be concerned that he said no. Um, and again, it was such a concern that this thing was in my tooth. And now we're not even going to check to make sure it's gone. I'm just sitting here like, okay, I guess I don't, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. Cause I don't, I don't want another x-ray cause I hate it. I hate so much. And then I'm like, how irritated can my gum be? I had a, like a rotten tooth a month ago. Like this is better. Right. Like, so I'll, I'll take the irritation, Ugh. I guess. I don't know. It, it's again, I don't think it's a discredit to them. To me, it seems like a very, like, of course this kind of thing is going to happen. Um, but it, it did like, those comments are like, I'm like, I, you know, I heard that. Like, now I'm paranoid. <laughs> like, are you not considering that your words might freak me out? Like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm overly considerate. So I would be in my head, if I said that to, in front of someone, they would be paranoid that, oh, no, what's going on? I don't know. Um, I, I'm also admittedly a little a little crazy with stuff like this. So uh, but yeah, my tooth is fixed. I'm very happy about it. Um, anything exciting happen for you or coming up? Well, a couple things. Last week was uh, Record Store Day, which ah, yes. I really love. You know, I uh, woke up at 4.30. I'm just really starting with COVID, <laughs> lasting like 27 years. I'm just really starting to learn how old I feel when I do things, you know? And I'm like, maybe I can't do 4 or 4.30 in the morning. I slept through my alarm, guys. I'm like the lightest sleeper ever. I never sleep through an alarm. I don't even usually make it to my alarm asleep. Let's be real. But I went slept through it going off three times. Oh, man. So let's talk about that. Um, Yeah. And thankfully, they had all the items that I wanted, except for some stuff got pushed back. Everybody was all talking about, oh, yay, we're back to a single day format because Record Store Day used to be one day. But then COVID happened and there were like vinyl pressing issues and all that and so it was over two or three days for the last two or three years but then come to find out i go and i try to get my uh, royal tenenbaums soundtrack which was a second item on my list and they're like oh it got pushed back to you know june and i thought it was a one-off but no there are many items coming out in june so really guys it wasn't a single day format but t swift yes oh i don't hear you Corey. you muted your microphone Oh no, I'm fired. Um, did you hear about the T Swift? I heard you say the word T Swift and then you went silent. Oh, so let me back up a little bit, guys. So T Swift was the record store day ambassador this year, ah. and she deserved it. I don't know if everybody paid attention, but um, she like she gave Grimy's money, which is a local independent record store in Nashville money so they could pay their employees while they were shut down and that their employees could keep their benefits and stuff. And she sent out all these signed CDs to independent record store days. Her only caveat was that you couldn't sell them online. They needed to be sold to your local customers and stuff like that. They sold out fast. She sent more. What? Wow. That's that was awesome. her, both of her albums she released that year. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get both, but um, like, I just think she deserved it. So it was really cool. But I didn't get a button, so I'm gonna have to buy one. <laughs> I guess I'm gonna have to buy one on eBay. <laughs> but um, I love the record store day buttons, guys. I love buttons all together. But um, 
it's just really fun and i yeah love it i think if you love records do it um and then i'm going to go see jerry cantrell this publishes on saturday right yes okay so i'll be back by the time it publishes so i'll be i feel safe saying that i'm going to salt lake city to see him big fan of allison chains obviously but also a big fan of him solo um and it's been 20 years since he released his last solo album so when i saw he was touring i was like i obviously need to go guys so does he have an album coming out or did it one just come out it just came out i i can't remember exactly i think it was maybe in uh brighton i think it's called brighton it's pretty it's solid it's good I have, yeah, I saw um, Alice in Chains with the new singer uh, back, I don't remember exactly when, whenever Velvet Revolver was still touring, because I saw them together, and uh, it was a good show, even though I never really got into the, the, the album they did with Alice in Chains without Lane. Um, yeah, I never listened. But I thought the guy was a good singer. I, I, was, I don't think they're still touring that anymore, but or at least I haven't heard about them touring since that one album, but you know it wasn't bad it's just like you, it's just really hard to it's replace hard Lane. yeah yeah it's hard when you're like a big fan of somebody in a band and then they i don't want to say just get replaced because it's hard because the whole band shouldn't have to stop because of one person but also like i wouldn't go see stone temple pilots because scott wyland isn't there which is there man the tragedy of that band because then they, they get chester bennington to cover oh. and then now he's gone so it's like and they're they're still touring there's a third person or a fourth person uh, filling in now and it's just like man i don't know you guys maybe it's time to call that change the name yeah let's i don't know yeah. like the weirdest one to date and i don't want to get we're not a music podcast but uh i found out that static x is touring um i tried to tell bill that a guy who is not wayne static obviously because wayne is dead but the guy yeah. is like basically wearing like zombie wayne mask like it, it's That's a wrong. wayne static mask well I, I have to assume that the band has cleared this with like Wayne's family and that this is maybe like, I don't know Wayne personally, maybe Wayne would have loved this. You know, I don't know. I hope so because otherwise I completely agree. It's, it's weird. It seems wrong. The, I tried listening. They even the last album they released, which was like a year or two ago has stuff that Wayne had recorded use like vocals that wayne had done mixed with the new guys vocals so like it's on the same songs yeah uh, my understanding i i it's hard to tell the difference and the guy's a singer from another band whose name i cannot think of right now but like the other band's not bad Uh, i don't know i think it's really weird um i was really shocked because i forgot they're touring with somebody and i was like wait what like how are they touring wayne's dead and then i know other bands have done this but like wayne it's called static x like it is wayne like wayne is the guy um so it's hard for me to, to fathom and what makes me doubt the band like wayne left static x and was doing like solo stuff for a while so that made it even harder for me like it seemed like they must have had at least a little bit of a falling out at some point for him to like walk away from his band and do solo stuff when i would think I, no offense to those guys. It's for me though. That band was always Wayne Static, and so like them touring with that name, I'm like, hmm, just start a new band. Like, I know you want to use your old songs, and you have a built-in audience. I get that, but like, and, well, you can still use the old songs. Yeah, like cover type things, and and let's be real. Like, if anyone is a, I, everyone's not going to be Dave Grohl. 
who, you know, was in one of the most successful bands of all time and then started another one of the most successful bands of all time. You know, like, I get that. Not going to happen in most cases. But still, like, I just, for me, it does feel, it feels off. Like, change the name at least, you know? Like, former members of Static X, new band, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. It it just is like, mm, I don't I don't like it. Yeah, it just doesn't seem tasteful. And again, the obviously whole. other bands have done it. But I mean, like, the mask and stuff? Like, oh, yeah, that seems really far. It just yeah. seems like... I mean, I hope y'all are giving money to his wife or, or isn't it? Didn't his wife pass away? I don't know. I, I, but I think he has a, a kid or whatever. Oh, um, I don't know for sure. I, I don't know enough to really comment on all of it. But it, when I found out, I was very like stunned and shocked. Well, this guy's name's Edsel Dope from the band Dope. dope. So yes, it would be kind of like somebody coming in and being the lead singer of Dope. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Yeah, but there you go, folks. And again, I don't, I don't think it's meant to be disrespectful because I feel like the guy is really into uh, oh, you're the music or whatever. Like, I don't think he's doing it disrespectfully, but it does still seem a little weird. I haven't heard anyone else talk about this either. That's the thing. I wonder if other people are aware of it. Like, I, I mean, obviously, I found an article. I didn't like come up with all of this on my own, but I hadn't seen the article until I found out that they were on tour, and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> And doing a little, very minimal amount of effort, I found all that stuff. And I was like, this is wild. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, that's, you know, that's the weird thing. But we're not here to talk about music, of course, folks. Uh, we are here to talk about... I mean, that's about... originally why we hated each other. <laughs> yeah. Our musical tastes are have still, they're still not the same. Um, no. In fact, uh, we were it's at... It's not as aggressive. We were at our local theater, uh, myself and two friends, going to see everything everywhere all at once a couple of weeks ago. And uh, they had on the TVs in the lobby um, something from Hanson. And my my two friends were like, Hanson's still a thing? I was that? like, oh, oh, guys, I have a friend who loves Hanson. Um, and I had to, like, you know, briefly fill them in on your, your passion uh, for a band that most people only know from Mba. Um Anywho. Let's focus. We're here to talk about the 400 blows as promised <laughs> as part of our subs, not dubs. And of course we watch this with subtitles, not dubs. I watch the dubs. Does that I'm exist? Just kidding. Uh, I, I don't I, think so. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's the 1959 film from the uh, iconic director, Francois Truffaut um, stars Jean-Pierre. Leod. I don't know how to say that. I'm so sorry. I should really look up how to say that accent on the E. Leod. Maybe it's Leod. Leod. I don't, I don't know. Albert Remy, uh, Claire Morier, Morier, it's Morier because it's French. Um, a couple other people, Guy de, de Com, man, these names, Guy de Comble, de Comble, de Comble, uh, Georges Flamont, Patrick Afoy. I did more reading about this movie than I did about how to say the names. Let's be real. Uh, this is um, written by Francois Truffaut himself and Marcel Mousy, and uh, it is loosely based on Truffaut's uh, childhood and his upbringing. Now, I have a, a film friend that I talk about a lot. In fact, if you listen to our other podcast, the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, you might have heard. Oh, I don't like that guy. Um, actually, I'm talking about a different guy. We had Big <laughs> Tuna on uh, this week as a special guest. Uh, Matt and I, we, we've not done guests on BAMP before, but we uh, were, were doing a summer box office movie uh, wager game 
So we had Big Tuna on because, you know, Tuna loves to torture us when he wins. Why would you guys even invite him? It's like you don't want to win. I know. it's it's a, It was a, a bad decision. I compared myself to uh, the Washington Generals who play the Globetrotters um, that I went okay. in knowing I was going to lose. But I, I went in with a positive attitude. But I, I found out. Uh, this is, again, my second viewing of The 400 Blows. This is an iconic film. This is one of those films, if you're trying to be a well-versed film person that is on a list of every every film list you're supposed to watch, this movie, Bicycle Thieves, Citizen Kane, etc. So I'd already seen this because of that. And yet, I learned something quite new. This is the first of five films that feature this character, Antoine Donnell, that is played by the same actor, Jean-Pierre, and I was shook because I'd never seen the other four films referenced before. And so I messaged Big Tuna and was like, did you know that The 400 yeah. Blows was the first of five movies? And he's like, I did not. <gasps> and then I, have, I know it's actually like legit. I, when I send him things like that, I expect what? to get a meme that he he has a meme that he sends me, which is you didn't know that kind of thing. Oh, and my God. Will I was you send that to me? Oh, I will. I was expecting that. And I didn't get it. Instead, I got, like, actually, I didn't know that. And then my coworker who teaches IB film, who is uh, more versed in, in foreign film than myself, um, also didn't know. So I'm like, okay, this is not common knowledge. And then I have not read the article yet, but I have it open in a tab. But I, I can't help but make a connection to a filmmaker that you and I are big fans of who does similar type things where he has the same actors come back years later and play the same character, Richard Linklater. Hey, um, you're just talking about Ethan. So we have both uh, the before trilogy, which is filmed nine years apart, right? With the same actors who have now aged just like their characters, nine years. And then boyhood, which he filmed over eight years. Um, and I, I can't help, but I, I was like, Truffaut must've influenced Linklater for those roles. And I Googled simply that Linklater's influence, uh, Truffaut's influence on Linklater. And I found an article. I've not yet been able Ooh. to read the article, but uh, someone else obviously picked up on this as well. I'm sure Linklater's maybe talked about it again. Truffaut is like an iconic filmmaker. So it's not a big stretch to assume a modern filmmaker would have pulled from them. But um, I, the, the thing that I'm upset about, because I have this dysfunctional brain that now that I know there's a series. Oh, God. We're watching nothing else for the rest I, of the year. I need to watch them, but you can't get them easily. There was a Criterion box set. I think it's what? even called the Antoine Donnell box set, but it's out of print, Criterion. Uh. Um, and so I don't believe I can easily get the other films. One of them is also a short film. Uh, I believe the second the second movie is just a short that then will build into the others. But listen, like if you... Look up the character. Uh, if like I'm on Wikipedia, if you click his name, um, it says although Truffaut did not initially plan for Donnell to be a recurring character, he eventually returned to the character in one short subject and three full length feature films. So a total of five films about this character, but again, one of them being a short. Um, after introducing him in this movie, The Foreigner Blows, in all, Truffaut followed the fictional life of Antoine Donnell uh, for over twenty years. So he beat Linklater by a little bit. Um, or I guess it's about the same because we have uh, 18 years for the before trilogy. So if he does a fourth movie and changes it from a trilogy to a quadrilogy, uh, then Linklater will win in that regard. But so for 20 years, we follow this and check this out. 
even more of a influence. The first, well, the short is a romance where he meets Christine. The second movie um, is uh, Antoine and Christine's marriage. And then the third one is their subsequent divorce. Whoa. I mean, is that not the before trilogy in a lot of ways? Like, it's not exact. It's not a one for one, but it's definitely an influence. Um, it's a little more fleshed out, but I, I was reading about this a little bit today and saw that there are five, but I also heard read that um, you know, the other four are not essential. Oh, clearly, because uh, again, every list has the 400 blows, and none of those lists seem to reference this. Again, two people who I hold in high regard in terms of their knowledge of film did not know that the other four movies existed. Um, and that, like, confirmed my suspicion uh, that yeah, they're not in the same ballpark as the 400 blows which is again considered quintessential film now i'd seen this once before Corey, you picked it uh i'm curious what did you think of the 400 blows um so i enjoyed it period um and that's I, what you're here for folks yes that's... <laughs> a clear concise straight to the point boom um i worked very hard in my life to be that way john okay um i um I really enjoyed it. So we also watch one other um, French New Wave film, Aunt Breathless by Jean-Luc Godard. Um, I was waiting to mispronounce that. And mm-hmm. I was just very intrigued and I really enjoyed that movie also. And I was just very intrigued by like the French New Wave movement. Movement. Yeah. Movement's correct. You know, Um I just, so I wanted to watch more and I saw this was, this is on the Criterion collection, but it's also streaming on HBO. Yes. Which there's a lot of overlap with those two, uh, the Criterion collection and HBO Max. Not a, not a guarantee, but there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. Um, so I just was really excited to watch another movie, um, out of this movement. I want to watch more, um. I really liked it. I like the characters a lot. I feel like they're very natural. Um, I really like, I don't know. I just feel like. Well, that's the first thing I them a lot. Definitely grounds itself in uh, realism. That's, that's a huge part of the process. Um, drawing attention to the filmmaking, uh, something that is often the op- complete opposite of Hollywood movies where we want the film to feel like we're watching through a window. Um, they, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting uh, pr- style for sure. Um, a lot of long takes in this, uh, but like not, not flashy long takes, just like the camera's just watching someone run or it's just watching the kid walk across the street slowly. Like there's no, they're, they're willing to take their time with uh, the moments in the scenes and, I feel like sometimes, like, oh my god, eyes wide shut. Ugh. Um, probably gonna get some hate mail for that. But I don't need to watch him walking. I mean, I understand it's probably supposed to be like dreamlike or something, but it doesn't make for interesting movie watching. But I feel like we're just watching them live their lives in 400 blows, you know? Like, I don't know. It just seems very natural. I don't feel like they're necessarily making us watch 
you know, like 20 minutes of something that, that doesn't have any consequences. It's just the moving throughout their day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you sent me a video uh, right before this um, of of uh, Jean-Pierre's audition, which man, I loved. He, he just feels like the character in that yeah. moment, too. Like the attitude and the, the kind of the... the like he's, it seems like he's telling the truth, but like he, he could be lying. Like I would totally buy that he's also lying about some of it. Like he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 no big deal. You know, it's whatever. Um, as long as I'm happy. Yeah, it's just very genuine, and that definitely is reflective of the character. Obviously, uh, they thought so. That's why he's cast. Because um, he's a little older than our character is supposed to be. Yeah, but just barely, like fourteen yeah. to twelve. I'm like, uh, we but, have like twenty nine year olds playing fifteen year olds. Oh, I know, which is ridiculous. But also, that's an age where it can become very apparent that you're not the age because there's so much growth in such a short time. You know that it's like, oh yeah, this kid is not twelve. I guess you know. But I just love. He's like, I'm short. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still short. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just like no, was no, not at all. Watching it, and I just loved that it's only like a minute and a half long, and it's from the Criterion Channel. I was trying to find when I found that. I was trying to find um, a video. You know how they do those like three why or three reasons why they're like inducting a movie into the Criterion Collection. Oh yeah, and I couldn't find that for this movie, but I found that interview, that uh, audition instead. I mean, it, that might be, this is just one Better. of those that, like, of course it's in there. Like, you, like, like I the... doubt there's one for Citizen Kane, because it's like, well, yeah, of course you put Citizen Kane in Criterion. But sometimes it's fun to hear people just talk about stuff they love. Oh, I, I'm all for that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying they probably didn't do it because they're like, well, duh. Like, they, like, what can we say? It's like, this is Hello, the you film. Peasants. Yeah, this is one of those films where, like, if you are... If you're talking about the Criterion Collection, you already know there's like certain movies that have to be in it. And obviously, more modern stuff. No, no, I understand. There is definitely things that you and I have not liked in the Criterion Collection. But also, I'm like very intrigued by this film movement. But hey, guys, I'm new here. You know? Yeah, true, true, true. But that's, I think, if you're new here, you're probably not. Like, you might end up with a Criterion disc, but you probably aren't aware of what that means. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I the first time I had a Criterion, I got a Criterion DVD, like, from FYE used. I didn't know what that was. And then it was like, oh, wait, what is this Criterion thing? And I now I'm very aware of it, but that's many, many, many years later. Um, I think you're, you know, some people are just not aware of that type of thing, like, or Arrow or, like, Shout Factory those are things that collectors and, and obsessive movie people uh, are aware of where I think your person who likes movies would still enjoy those movies, but maybe not uh, know the significance of that label on the box. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, if you are like, Oh, what's in the criterion collection and you like are aware of what that means when you say it, you're going to assume like citizen Kane and, and foreigner blows and the bicycle thieves. Um, you know, Casablanca, which made Casablanca isn't in Criterion, but there it's you go. Not. I don't think so. Uh, it, it's in print, but I don't think it is a Criterion film. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't remember seeing a box art for it. 
Uh, and now I'm going to look because I'm like, if I am right, that is weird. I wonder what the reason is. And of course, there's the problem with that is Criterion has to buy the rights to things, and some things won't. Some movies may not be willing to sell the rights to those um, because maybe they have their own plan or whatever. Um, do 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 browse search boop. So um, I I had seen this before, as I mentioned, and I uh, I really liked it the first time, and I couldn't honestly remember like what I liked about it or like how I really felt. Like I saw that I gave it a four stars. I, it does not appear to be in the collection. Um, Casablanca that is. So I am nice. now curious why that is. Why? But Just again, I get it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the point though. That movie is, is, you know, how do you deny it? It's just unden- an undeniable film. But, um, I rewatching this was, uh, I was quickly reminded how, easy it is to fall into this movie um you you know the kid does things that you're like oh my god don't do that but at the same time you're like yeah but i totally understand why he did that like i i see his desires and that you see the misunderstandings and he does kind of get shafted uh, a few times in this movie where like he's accused of doing something he didn't do and there's no way for him to like prove his innocence and because he has done bad things it's like well why would they trust him anyways you know um, and so you, you feel for him. You're like, well, this, he's trying, he's trying to rectify his mistakes and yet he's just not able to, you know, there's just no, no one's going to listen to him. Um, and so I, I like that element of him. He's, he's a, he's a rascal, but not so bad. Like a lot of the I... stuff he does is not until he steals the typewriter. It's really not significant. Yeah. I just feel like. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I don't have any children, and I don't know how I would react, but as a former child, I didn't feel like a lot of it was that bad. Yeah. You know, I was like, okay. But a lot of it is like like lighting the candle, like that part, I'm always like, dude, what are you doing with that candle? Don't put the curtain in front of the candle. That's not safe. Like, every time I've seen, the, uh, both times I've seen the movie, it's been my reaction, yeah. like, don't do that. It's like we're like you dumb kid, you know, but also he's not like what isn't he doing that like as out of love? Like, yeah, because he, he's like really, really into ball sack. Um, did you know Um, guy's name is <laughs> anyway, um, you know, it's like some of it's just being a dumb kid. Some of it. You know, I don't know. He could have burned well, the house down, of course. He's, he's got the the family drama. Like he sees his mom with another guy, and we're later told that his dad is not his real dad; that is his stepdad. Um, so like, yeah, he's got he's got his share of like issues. Um, but ultimately, he doesn't seem like a bad kid. Just you know, trying to figure things out, and he's he's. He's likable, I think, for that reason, because he does seem kind. He doesn't seem like he's a cruel person. You know, he's not like hurting people or bullying people. And even the way that one kid takes him in, like in their hiding in the in the house and all that, he doesn't seem malicious or anything. So it's easy to 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 root for him and, and love him. And that's that's important, I think, to a story. Like we don't want a character who's despicable, but we do want him to get into a little trouble because that adds intrigue. That makes us, you know, get into the story. So it's a good balance that Truffaut uh, and Mousy uh, are able to to walk with uh, Antoine. Yeah, I just I don't know. 
I felt like he was a very relatable character. Which, again, I think that's why this movie is so well regarded. There's obviously some really interesting filmmaking stuff in it. It's um, a beautiful movie. And I love the score. Yeah. So I was like, ooh. Do you know what modern movie uses a lot of the score? No. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Um, you know what I was thinking when you were saying that a dub version doesn't even exist? And I was like, John, we should do that. We should take really popular or really important films and we should make up our own dialogue and dub them and then get sued but (laughs) and i thought i was like oh my god it can be kind of like me earl and the dying girl except they're making their whole own movies but that's just so funny because i was just thinking about that like 20 minutes yeah yeah there's a lot of it and i i again i've seen that movie a lot because i teach that film a lot and i i I don't seen it in a long um, time i was just like i didn't I never put the connection that this score is used in me and Earl the dying girl like several times. Um, but yeah, the score in this is, is phenomenal. Uh, which I mean, it makes perfect sense for me and Earl to utilize it. I don't know how often it used. I feel like it's a lot more than I, uh, I'm, it's probably more, sorry. It is probably more in my head than what it is in the movie. It's probably just referenced when they're talking about the movies they're making. Cause they probably, they, they definitely remade 400 blows. I don't remember what their version of it is, but that's one of the things that's like listed as a movie they made. Um, but, uh, like when I was watching it this time, I could, I was like, man, this, this music is like definitely in me and Earl the dying girl, like a bit. Um, but I haven't gone back to like verify it, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't always notice score either, but, uh, because I've seen me and Earl so many times that that music just stuck in my head and I liked it there. And then hearing it here, I was like, Oh, okay, there you go. That's those connections that I love making when you, when you, you know, see the influences in modern work from the past, it's always really cool. Um, feels like you're like a part of like the inside joke or the inside, you know, reference, um, because like, Oh, okay. I get it now. I liked it before, but now I appreciate it on a different level. And I, I like that kind of stuff. Yes. It's um, just like, ooh. This movie doesn't have a major plot. Like, there's a plot, but it's pretty, like, the Wikipedia article summarizes the plot in two paragraphs, basically. Because it's not about that. It's more about this experience of, of Antoine and what he's going through, more so than it is, like, the plot in a traditional sense, which is kind of true of the New Wave movement. Anyways, they're not, they're not going for a standard plot structure or storytelling method. They're always looking to do it and however they want to do it, like no rules. Um, and I think the 400 blows lives up to that too. Like it's, it's yes, there is a story you could easily, you know, here's the plot breakdown, but it's not as focused on that. There's a lot of scenes of them just like doing stuff like watching a movie or eating dinner. Um, you know, there's a, a moment where the mom has to work late and the dad has to, to cook. Well, and he's like, We got eggs and, I did not mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Nope, I'm done. Please stop. Uh, I So then I was wondering is she lying the whole time about having a job because they're also they talk about like how she was supposed to buy sheets for Antoine's bed and oh, he's fine. He's warm in his you know, sleeping bag or like how she's been selling all of these things and in their house. And we see her with that man, and she says that her boss drove her home, which we're told is very inappropriate. Um, so I'm like, does she work at all? I have questions. It's it's possible. I mean, she has a boss, though, so I mean, right? I mean, boss? Yeah, I mean, you know, but I'm saying, like, he could, he could, 
he probably is her boss, but maybe their agreement of like work situations is different. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe it's contingent on their other relationship. I I thought it was very interesting that she uh, tries to be sweet uh, to keep Antoine from telling his father, Um, you know, and then because they're she's not very kind to him. She just seems annoyed by his presence altogether. And, you know, every little thing he does just seems, oh, you forgot the flower. Well, I need that. You know, she just is over the top with her annoyance with him sometimes. But um, how she, like, shifts that after he finds out he sees her and she's pretty much manipulating him. Well, I'll give you a thousand fran- uh, francs. Francs. I don't know, guys. Um, if you do really good on your essay and then all of these things. And even when he's taken to that, um, juvie. Yeah. Like the, the work camp or whatever. She wants him to be in a location by the sea because he's always wanted to see the ocean. And it's just like, I don't know. There's like a complete shift in her character and it's not all just to keep him from telling his father. Obviously. Yeah, not at that point. I think it's it's because she also she like kind of reluctantly tells the officer that it's not his real dad, that it's the stepfather or whatever. Yeah, she just seems like a very. uh <sighs> I don't know. I had like a term. All of this is just very for the time. I'm assuming very. Not OK. Like it would all be very. Ugh. Well, it's it's fifty nine uh, when the movie comes out, so it's it's moving into that era of the sixties and like the free love and stuff. So it's not totally out of line, and I don't know. Yeah, culturally, it is also I mean, significantly different. Um, so I don't it, know if in France oh, it would have been as there. big a deal. Well, I mean, even her saying that that's didn't she have her son out of wedlock, and that's not his father, and there seems to be some shame around that. Possibly, it definitely seems like it's it's a big deal that because I think the guy the cop says like oh well then that's more reason he should be revered or something like that because he like took the boy as his own or whatever. Yeah, and I can't think of the. I'm not saying any of this is wrong personally. Um, I'm just saying that for the time period, it really seemed to play in. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it definitely does. I mean, it, it's it's referenced there, and and like you said, she does seem. Uh, to want to hide it and to be fair the the dad seems like a dad to him at first and then as he does more and more things wrong there seems to the, the distance comes into play yeah what do you think and about then... the oh sorry good no 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 go well, i was gonna ask what you thought about the ending with the uh the freeze frame like we zoom in on on antoine's face and he's looking directly at the camera um and it is an optical zoom so it's the the picture is just being enlarged thus filling the screen. Um, it's it's a unique ending, in my opinion. So I was curious, what did you think? Yeah, there's not really any closure there. I don't really know how to take that. I mean, he got to see the ocean, and there's some optimism, I guess, in that. Um, you know, I don't really... I, I'm fine with the way it ended, because I felt like it was fine for the story. I didn't really feel like there needed to be any type of closure really for the type of story that it is. Um, 
you know, where in some movies I would find that incredibly frustrating, but I felt like it was fine. I was glad he got to see the ocean and that there was, you know, after all of the junk he's been through to have a little bit of happiness. Yeah. So the film um, has got some award recognition too. It, it goes to the Cannes Film Festival in 1959, nominated for the Palme d'Or, uh, the Palme d'Or, um, wins Best Director for Truffaut at the Cannes and the OCIC Award. Uh, it gets nominated for Best Screenplay at the Oscars that year, doesn't win, um, and is nominated at the BAFTAs for Best Film uh, from any source and Most Promising Newcomer for the Actor. Uh, Jean-Pierre, but no wins, just nominated. And a couple other like small wins, but I think those are some notable things. Uh, for um, it's, it's very interesting because like Hitchcock, who I think arguably considered to be like the greatest director, hands down, even Truffaut said that, um, or at least some degree of that. And Hitchcock has no Oscars. Stanley Kubrick, considered to be one of the best directors of all time, no Oscars. Like, and yet, we so often put so much weight on the Oscars. And then when you think about like these filmmakers who were not even, uh, some of them were nominated, but like they, they have no wins and you're just like, well, clearly it's not a sign of, of exceptional or great, but it is one of those things where I think, especially here in the, in the States, we're so competitively minded, like everything's a competition um, that since this is the prestigious award, we expect certain people to have one or to win. And so, like, when you know this movie is, like, this huge thing, and while it did get some recognition that it was only nominated for screenplay at the at the Academy Awards, it's kind of wild. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, also, like, there are so many films that are released, and it did get, I feel like, for the type, I don't know, I feel like for the movie that it is, that's some pretty, that's that seemed like a good amount of recognition um that a lot of and i mean it i think that it's been pretty highly regarded the whole time it's been out not like some movies that come out and people just like sweep them under the rug or whatever and then 40 years later we're like oh this is a masterpiece you know like Mm -hmm. so well so just for a basis of comparison if we look at that oscars it's not nominated for best picture right yeah. And at the time, that was only, they only did five nominations. Uh, now we do up to ten, wow. um, which has only been for like twenty years or something like that. Anyways, but here's the top. Here's the five nominations uh, and the winner. Ben Hur wins Best Picture that year. Mm, um, Anatomy of a Murder, which is a film that's sitting over here on Criterion that I haven't watched yet, but it's on my over here. Uh, the Diary of Anne Frank, The Nun Story, and Room at the Top. So I haven't heard of the last two movies. I don't know the Nun Story or Room, the Room at the Top, at the which top, no. isn't saying anything. There's a lot of movies I haven't heard of that are great. It's not they could be the best movies of that year. But 400 Blows I had heard of many, many times over. But it's an international film. Very, you know, I, I don't even know for sure if it was eligible at the time. Oh, um, now a, a movie can be international and win Best Picture for sure. Like we saw Parasite, but. uh I don't know if that was always or if that at some point in the last years changed, but I'm going to scroll down. They, I don't think they had a best international slash best foreign film at this time. They do not nominated there either. Best foreign Are language. Are you kidding? Film. The, it was nominated. Now, 
if I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, each country only gets one choice. So, like the country puts up which movie they want to represent them for that category. So okay. for France, it was the it's called Black Orpheus, which I don't know what that is. Why is that? But uh, well, Orpheus is a common enough word. It's not like a common word, but it's a word I've definitely heard. Uh, the Bridge, The Great War, Paw, and The Village of the River. But those are, again, all different countries because you can only have one representing uh, the countries in the for the Oscars. So, uh, But not 400 Blows for that, which is a little shocking there. And again, it is nominated, though, for Best uh, Screenplay, which implies... I'm looking for the screenplay nods. Where are those? Um, there he goes. Uh, these are the best story and screenplay written directly for the screen. So this is uh, not adapted original screenplay is what we would call this now. Um, Pillow Talk wins. Um, I don't know that one. Uh, but then we have ooh, The 400 Blows, North by Northwest, um, Operation Petticoats, and Wild Strawberries. So I don't know three of those movies. I, I feel like I know Pillow Talk, but I don't know it for sure. But Doris Day and uh, Rock Hudson. Ah, so I've definitely heard of that one. But um, I've not heard of Wild Strawberries. Yeah, but it's Ing- it's Ingmar Bergman, and apparently he refused the nomination. So that's an interesting. I'd like to know that story, because uh, it's in parentheses next to it. Um, but you know, again, not uh, Oscars don't mean anything. I just think it is interesting when you see what's there and how over the the course of you know what fifty years, um, sixty years, uh, Four Hundred Blows is the movie that people still talk about, where some of those movies that are nominated in its place. Are not and again obviously at the time you don't know what's going to last but that's i think the point that i'm making is like the awards are not the be all end all of of criteria just or criteria quality that's what i want to say um much like we were using the criterion collection as a mark that everything in it would be great but that still comes down to subjective taste and we have found some ones that we don't love and we found many that we do love um it's been worth you know it's been worth it (laughs) yeah no i have no no luckily i think the ones that we've not loved but most of the ones we've not loved we've watched somewhere else we didn't buy the the blu-ray like i don't own the one tim roth uh gary Oldman movie because that we watched on the criterion it wasn't the criterion channel then it was whatever the other streaming service was that originally had the criterion channel that now is just called the Criterion Channel, but like there was a whole other service at the time. But uh, we watched that and we were not happy. But luckily, again, we were just using a streaming service. We didn't like buy the movie and get stuck with it. I am stuck with Master Builder forever, though. And that's that's a little disappointing because um, I'm never going to watch that again. Uh, so if anyone wants to buy Sweet. Master Builder off Until of it. it's out of print and then sell it for $500 on eBay. I, I like the idea. Um, it is the last Jonathan Demi. I don't know if it's his last movie. I think it's his last movie. Um, anywho, we, we're not doing a, a separate spoiler section because, again, this movie doesn't need that, really, because it's, it's not that type of movie. Um, but uh, anything else? Any final thoughts before we wrap up? I didn't expect otherwise, but I loved it. Yeah, I, I'm always a little worried whenever I watch these kind of iconic films um, that people are like, oh, it's one of the best movies ever because – if you watch it and you don't think that you're kind of like, Oh, what's wrong with me? You know, like what's wrong? Why don't I think it's the best film ever? Is it, am I being like a contrarian to be a contrarian or is there something that's just not clicking for me? Um, and no, yeah, it's great. Um, it, it's very, very great. And it's, it's, it was an easy rewatch for sure. 
Um, so I, I was not upset to have to revisit that with you uh, this time around. So um, next week, we're going to wrap up our subs, not dub series uh, with a film that I've been meaning to watch for a hot minute here. It's called Burning. Um, I'm pulling up the details here. It's in from 2018. Weeks. What happened? In two weeks. In two weeks. Correct. Sorry. Yes. I'm not used to saying that. Um, I don't know if you've looked at this movie at all, Corey, but it does have your boy Stephen Young in it. Um, <gasps> I did. Uh, I'm very hyped for this. It, it had some Oscar buzz uh, back in 2018. Um, I'm going to really need to learn how to say these names. I'm not going to try right now because uh, I'm just going to butcher them. But um, Burning Story says delivery man Jong Su is out on a job when he runs into um, Jaime. I hope. A girl who once lived in his neighborhood, she asked if he'd mind looking after her cat while she's away on a trip to Africa. On her return, she introduces uh, she introduces to Jong Su an enigmatic young man named Ben, uh, who she met during her trip. And one day, Ben tells Jong Su about his most unusual hobby. I have no idea what this movie's about. I am uh, excited about it. Uh, David Ehrlich, who is a film critic, I often enjoy reading. Um, all he wrote on Letterbox was masterpiece with a fire in between each letter, um, a fire emoji. Oh. Uh, so, oh yeah, I love you. Told me that when we watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, yes. Um, so I am excited to uh, to check this out and finally um, check it off my list. So that's in two weeks when we return. We will be talking about Burning from 2018. Um, it is available to watch on something. I meant to look at that, and I forgot. I apologize. I will find out right now. Uh, we will be watching it on Vudu um, because I bought it a while back when it was on sale because I buy a lot of movies with the intent of eventually, one day, maybe, probably watching them. Um, but if you don't have Vudu, it is, uh, or if you don't want to buy it, I should say, um, it is free to watch with commercials on 2B TV. And uh, that looks like it. It's also on Pluto TV and maybe on Voodoo with the uh, the the ads as well. So it's it's one you can watch for free if you don't mind the commercials popping up. Which I gotta say, Corey, uh, for movie astrology, that's another podcast that I do. Uh, we're doing 1966 right now, or we're getting ready to do it. So I've been watching a bunch of movies from '66, and I've had I've had to watch two of them through these uh, free services with um, the commercials. Yeah. Because they, you can't get them anywhere else. They're not did. You can't buy it. You can't rent it digitally. You could maybe get a disc, but you're gonna pay like twenty five bucks for an out of print DVD. Um, and I gotta say, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Especially because like a lot of the times with the sixty six stuff, I'm just watching it uh, as I'm doing other stuff because it's not like we're not going full in like extensive review. It's more like general vibe. Were you into this or not? Kind of thing. And um, like Hawaii from 1966 was one of the movies that I had to watch on Tubi. And uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought, like with the commercials. It just felt like back in the day when you were a kid and you were watching like stuff on TBS and TNT. So, you know, um, if you can't see it anywhere else, it's not the worst way to watch it for free and legally, legally for free. Um, probably the way to go. Okay. Fair. Uh, with that, folks, um, if you'd like to, we'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach to, out to us on uh, the social media. I'm at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey, our star, two R's on the end. And if you like what we're doing here at Movie Club, even in this new format, please uh, stop after this podcast and give us the five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen. 
Uh, we will be back in two weeks. The new format again. We are bi-weekly now. We'll be back in two weeks to talk about burning. Until next time, keep watching movies. Hey, this is Matt from What I Watched Tonight. Come join me in the back row for movie discussion, retrospective episodes with guests, director-focused shows, end-of-year rankings, start-of-the-year predictions, and much, much more. There's more going on in the back row than you might think. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs>